Well, it's great to see you. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12. We're continuing, of course, our study of the book of Exodus in which we see God's redemption of his people Israel and their, and from their bondage in Egypt. Now, this evening we're seeing what we call the final plague. It is the death of the firstborn. What would happen? That God would bring into this land the death of the firstborn and we see this plague and we see the power and the glory of God, but we see also his grace and his mercy. He provides a way of escape. And of course, the escape is the Passover lamb. And it's a very powerful thing. We see him. God is judging the Egyptians. Remember, we've, we've seen already that the Egyptians, the Pharaoh would not let the people go. And God said, let the people go. And Moses and Abraham would go see the Pharaoh. And nine plagues have happened. And now this is the last one. And we see God judging Egypt. We see that uh, he proclaims that he indeed is the true God as he has judged all the gods of Egypt. And this final plague is a judge on Egypt and the redemption of his people. There will be a death in every home in the land of Egypt. Either there will be the death of the Passover lamb or there will be the death of the firstborn. As we study this passage, there are three things I want you to think about. First of all, there's the memorial. The memorial is that God gets sets a way to remember this time. We'll see that. Second, there's the preparation, and that is that, that, that by faith they're going to kill the Passover lamb. And the third part is the judgment, and that's the plague, and we'll see that. Let's, let's pray as we think about this passage. There's just so much there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you again for uh, the believers as we've gathered tonight. There were great songs that we sung about our Savior Jesus. Thank you for the Bible, which is so perfect. And Lord, as we look at Exodus and we finally get into the section in which the redemption of the people, how he's going to bring the nation of Israel out of Egypt. And yet we realize, Lord, that this Passover lamb in Egypt foreshadows our Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, and how you delivered us from the bondage of sin. Thank you, Lord, for these great truths. Teach us now as we study this. We ask this in Jesus' Jesus' name. Amen. I've told the story before, but it's the truth. About 20 years ago, as opposed to some stories I tell that aren't true, but this is true. Uh, about 20 years ago, I was supposed to go to a meeting, but I, and it was a, on a Tuesday night, and I didn't go. And I left church about 5.30. I was supposed to go to that meeting, but it was something I didn't have to go if I didn't want to. So I decided to go home. And by 6 o'clock, there was the tornado moving this way. Most of you remember it. And before the evening was over, the tornado had hit still water. And we had turned on the radio and the path of the storm. We can remember it coming and the sirens. And I think it was the first time since we moved here that, that we actually were in the tornado. And we got in our hallway. We lived on the, on the other side of town. And uh, Sarah wasn't even born yet, so it's over over 20 years. And I uh, I looked up and I remember going to the back and I watched my fence. I had a wooden fence around my backyard and I just watched it disappear. It just blew away. And I went, wow, this is, this is for real. This is a real thing. And, and then it was, you know, and then after a little bit, it was over. We went outside and the fence was gone. A little bit of roof was gone, but up the street, there were, there were things that were really a lot of damage. In fact, across one block over, there was a lot of damage. But I remember that we were safe and we thought, you know, the storm, passed over us. It did. It just it kind of jumped us because I remember that on the house, about five houses up, there was a house on a hill and the, and the tornado hit that house and then it bounced over our house and about four, five or six houses on down the street, it hit, you could tell where it hit again. It kind of had jumped and we actually said, man, the, the storm actually passed over us. Well, this evening when we look in, in this passage, we're going to see because of the blood of the Passover lamb, 
God passes over some of the homes or the houses of the Jewish people. God brings death to the firstborn, and when he sees the blood on the door, he passes over. And God's substitute is what saves and delivers from bondage. And it's a great truth magnified in the Word of God that Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb, and that he's our substitute, and he died for us. And by faith in him, we are delivered from death and destruction, and we are redeemed. And we're going to see that as we go through this passage. There's just so much there. Now, as we think about this final plague that God brings on Pharaoh in Egypt, Pharaoh has hardened his heart all the way through this thing. He's rejected the true God of Israel. Back in chapter 11 and even chapter 12, God stated that he would go through the land and judge Egypt. And he stated this. Now, this is what's amazing. He said that all firstborn in the land of Egypt would die. He didn't say all firstborn of the Egyptians would die. He said all firstborn in the land of Egypt would die. This means all people, including Jewish people. You say, well, wait a minute, what's he going to do? God made a distinction. He said, I'm going to make a distinction between the Jews and the Egyptians. And what would he do? The answer would be he would provide a substitute. The substitute would be a Passover lamb. The substitute would be the lamb. He would take the blood, put it on the door. God would see it, and he would pass over. Look at chapter 12. Look, uh, we're in verse 14, but look back at verse 6. Look what he says. He says, you shall, he's talking about the lamb. He says, you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood, put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house on which they eat it. They will eat it. So he says, that's what's going to happen. Then down at verse 12, I will go through the land of Egypt that night. I will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Notice, not all the Egyptians, but all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and beasts, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I'm the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of the Egyptians. Now that's where we basically stopped last time. And that's what we're seeing, that there would be a death in every home, but there would either be the death of the Passover lamb or there would be the death of the firstborn because God provides a substitute. Let me break down our little passage for you. Uh, in verses 14 through 20, there's the memorial where he talks about it. Verses 21 through 28, the preparation for the plague. And then in verses 29 and 30, we actually see the judgment tonight. We begin with it. And it's a terrible thing. I, I've told you all that when I trusted Christ, I'd never gone to church, never read the Bible. I was 19. Somebody gave me the Bible. I read Genesis, and then I read Exodus. And I remember reading this part. And just think about reading this for the first time in your life. I was 19 years old, and I read this. And, and that verse that we're going to read tonight where it says, there was not one home where there was not someone dead. I, I remember thinking, that how bad that would be. And I thought of my hometown of Meridian, Mississippi, 40,000 people. What if in every house in Meridian, somebody died that night? I thought, boy, that is horrible. I mean, and this was the whole land of Egypt. So it is an amazing thing. And as you read this, I mean, put yourself there. One of the things I've told people is, you know, when you study the Bible, pretend you're there. I mean, we're there. We're, we're, we're supposed to, to get a lamb. I mean, we're, we're, we're on the good side, right? We're going to get the lamb. And we're saying, listen, I believe in the God of Israel, and I believe in his salvation, and, and I'm, we're going to get a lamb, and we're going to kill the lamb, and we're going to take the blood, we're going to put it on the two sides, we're going to put it on the top, we're going to stay inside, we're going to eat it dressed and ready to go, we're going to eat that lamb, we're not going out at all, and we're going to wait because we know that night God's going going to judge in every in every home there's going to be a death it's either going to be the death of the firstborn or it's going to be the death of the passover lamb 
That's what we know. Well, look what happens. He, he, uh, in verse 14, he talks about the memorial. We touched on this last week, but it says this. Now this day will be a memorial to you, and you shall celebrate it as a feast of the Lord. Throughout your generations, you are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. Now he says this is going to be a memorial. It's going to be going back to the 14th day of the first month. That's basically what it's going to be. The feast is often called Passover. Sometimes it's called the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and I'll talk to you about that in just a minute. This is the day they were delivered. They were saved from the bondage of Egypt. And to this day, you talk to any Jewish person, and if you say Passover, they know exactly what it's about. They would say it was the time that God gave the Lamb, passed over our homes, and we as a nation were delivered from Egypt. Well, from this, he talks about in verse 14, he's going to talk about another aspect which is called unleavened bread. Okay, unleavened bread. What exactly is unleavened bread? And we're going to see that he's tying the Feast of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread together. When you look into the Bible, when you look in Leviticus 23, when God put this together, he said on the 14th day of the first month is Passover. On the 15th through the 21st of the month is unleavened bread. Let me read this to you. You don't have to turn there, but this is Leviticus chapter 23. And he talks about, I think I have the, there it is. He says in verse 4, these are the appointed times that he has for us. And then he says this in verse 5. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at twilight, is the Lord's Passover. So every 14th day of the first month, first month is called Nisan. It corresponds to our March and April. It's always in the spring. On the 14th day of that month is Passover. Then he says, then on the 15th day of the month, there is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. You shall observe it for seven days. You shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day, you'll have a holy convocation. That means it's a Sabbath day. You shall not do any work. For seven days, you shall present an offering to the Lord. On the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work. You shall not work. So what he told them, he told them later, but this is what he's telling them here. You're going to have a feast called Passover on the 14th. 15th through 21st is going to be unleavened bread. The start of the feast is 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 a rest day, a Sabbath day. The last day of the feast is a rest day, a Sabbath day. This is what you're going to do, and you're going to do this forever. That's what he tells them. Now, look at Exodus again, verse 12. He says in verse 14, this day will be a memorial to you. You shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You're to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. Now watch. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, but on the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats anything leavened from the first day till the seventh day, that person's going to be cut off from Israel. Now he says that there's Passover and then there's these seven days. And you shall have no leaven. Now remember that leaven represents sin. So what he's basically saying is, you're going to come to God and you're going to believe in the Passover lamb and you're going to be redeemed. And then you're going to have a time in which you think about purity and no sin and unleavened bread means the the idea of no sin. And so that's a picture of, you might say, the Christian life. It's also a picture of our Savior, but it's a picture of the Christian life. And But notice what he says, and, it, and it's hard to understand this. He says, whoever eats anything, this is in the middle of verse 15, whoever eats anything from anything unleavened from the first day into the seventh day, that person will be cut off from Israel. Now, there's all kind of debates because nobody really knows exactly what does it mean to be cut off from Israel. There's some people who actually believe that it means that if somebody ate leaven during that seven days, they put them to death. Some people believe that. Others say it, it shows that you're not in fellowship with the rest of the nation and to be cut off means you're out of fellowship. He doesn't explain how that if you did that and you got cut off, how do you get back in? He doesn't explain it. 
So he just says that if anybody does that, they're, they're not going to be connected in the same way. Notice verse 16. On the first day you shall have a holy assembly. That's a Sabbath. And another holy assembly on the seventh day. We saw that already. No work shall be done on them except what a person must that, you know, be eaten by every person that you may prepare it. He says, the only work you can do on the first day and the last day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread is to fix the food for people to eat. Because those are Sabbath days. Now understand this, that in the normal week, the first day of the week is Sunday, the last day of the week is Saturday, Saturday is the Sabbath day, is the Sabbath day. But in the Jewish uh, calendars, there are many, there are other days that are called Sabbath days. That's not a Saturday necessarily. In the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the 15th day of the month is always a Sabbath day. The 21st day of the month is always a Sabbath day. And sometimes the way the Jewish calendar fell, you might have three Sabbath days in one week. We'd all be going, that's, that's okay with us, you know, that's great. Wouldn't we like three days off? And, you know, I told you I had that friend that was a, a Jewish jeweler. He, he, he had a jewelry store in, in uh, Starkville, Mississippi, and he was a friend of mine. He was Jewish. He was not a Christian. We'd always talk, and, and he'd say, you know, Judaism's better than Christianity. I'd say, why? He said, we got a lot more holidays, you know, and I'd say, yeah, yeah, you do. It's not better, though, but you do have more holidays. And no, so watch. On the, on the first day, you shall have a holy assembly, and then another holy assembly on the seventh day. No work could be done except what are you going to do for food. Then verse 17, you shall also observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this very day I brought your host out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a permanent ordinance. Now, I want you to understand that sometimes Jewish people would say Passover, and then they would say unleavened bread. Sometimes they would say Passover, and they meant the whole thing. Sometimes they would say unleavened bread, and they meant the whole thing. So sometimes you'll read it, and it'll say, now it was unleavened bread in which they would eat the Passover lamb. And he's saying the whole thing is called unleavened bread, and the first day is Passover, and the 15th through the 21st is unleavened. So sometimes they would just say it that way. And so watch what he says. You shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, for on this very day I brought you host out of the land of Egypt. There shall observe this day throughout your generations as a permanent ordinance. He says, this is what you're going to do. Now, he explains, he goes back and gives his summary. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at the evening, you shall eat unleavened bread. Now, what is on the first day, uh, what is on the 14th day of the, of the month? What is, that's, what's, what is that day called? That's Passover. But what is, he didn't even say it there. He just says, you shall eat unleavened bread. Right? And then, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. So he's just saying, this whole thing is unleavened. Seven days there shall be no leaven found in your houses, for whoever eats what is leavened, that person shall be, once again, cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he's native or alien or native of the land. He never explains what it means to be cut off. And I've, I've read as much study as I can find, and there's some people who actually believe that to be cut off meant to be killed. And the best that I could, you know, when I read it and I look through things, there were times they didn't do the Passover the way they were supposed to. People weren't being killed. I don't know what that, you know, what, what, what all went there. But I think it has something to do with breaking the fellowship. Now, verse 20, you shall not eat anything leavened in all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread. You and I might say, don't you think he's making a big deal out of this leavened stuff? I mean, how many verses does he talk about unleavened bread? A lot. But for their mind, leaven meant sin, unleavened meant 
no sin. And so here they are. They're going to be holy people of God. They're believing. They're coming out of, of Egypt. They're supposed to be a set-apart people. That's what holy means. Holy means set-apart. In the Old Testament, the, 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 uh, the idea of being set-apart was like a uniqueness that you were being used by God. In the New Testament, we get the word hagios, which is the same word we get saint, and it means someone set-apart. Now watch. We're going to see that we've seen this memorial set up so they would not forget. Now, here's the thing to think about. He said, over and over, you're going to do this. You're going to have this on the 14th, this on the 15th, this on the 21st, this for those seven days. You're going to do this every year. Why? Why? So you won't forget. So you won't forget what I have done. Now, tonight, we have the Lord's Supper. And when we do the Lord's Supper, we talk about this represents the body of Jesus Christ. This one represents the blood of Jesus Christ. Why do we do the Lord's Supper uh, over and over? So we won't what? Forget. Isn't it easy to take for granted what Jesus Christ has done for us? I think when they're studying the Gospel of John on Sunday morning, and we're talking about how salvation is in the person of Christ. And so many people are confused, and they don't even think about what they're saying. They don't even think about what they mean. We must, we must get back to the point and realize that Jesus died and rose again and gives eternal life to all who believe because Jesus is the Savior. Salvation is in the person of Christ. So watch what happens. Now Moses is going to, here's the preparation. Verse 21. Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and take for yourselves lambs according to your families and slay the Passover lamb. Now Moses called for the leaders and he said, Okay, this is what we're going to do. Now he's already explained it to the leaders. He explained it to the people. Everybody knows what to do. He had already told them earlier that on the tenth day they're supposed to go get either a lamb or a goat and they're supposed to get an unblemished, spotless lamb or goat and they're going to get it on the tenth and then on the fourteenth they're going to kill it. That's what they're going to do. So he says, go and take for yourselves lambs according to your families. Remember he said, if your family is too small to eat the whole Passover lamb, then you get another family and you come together and you eat it because you don't want to leave anything. In fact, if you leave any of it in the morning, what do you do with it? You burn it. You burn it up. And you eat it like this. You eat it with your sandals on, with your loins girded, with your stick in your hand. You're eating it as if we're going out the door. It's almost as if, you know, you, you come and you set a cereal bowl down and you're eating it on the counter. Why don't you sit down? Well, i got to leave, and I'm just trying to get something to eat real quick because I'm going to leave. That's what he's really telling them to do. Get ready to leave. You're going out of here. How long have they been there, you know? Have you read? Have you read ahead? 430 years. They've been there 430 years. God told Abraham, who then had Isaac, who then had Jacob, who then had Joseph, who then raised a new, knew a Pharaoh who raised up who did not know Joseph and they went into slavery. God told Abraham all those years ago that one day they would be slaves in a land and that God would bring them out. He says, take for yourselves lambs according to your families and slay the Passover lamb. Remember this, the lamb is the substitute to save them. The lamb would die. So the firstborn will not die. Now, what if you're in the family, and there's dad, and you're the oldest son, and then there's two or three other kids. What do you tell dad to do? Be sure and get that lamb. Let's get the lamb. Let's do it. Let's do everything. Why? Why? Because who's going to die? If that lamb doesn't die, who's going to die? Firstborn. 
and his firstborn son, we'll be able to see it when we get into chapter 13 and then a little bit later on. It's the firstborn son. Even though he keeps saying firstborn, he doesn't really clarify it right then. The NIV translates it firstborn son because the Hebrew word is, is a masculine noun there. Although the noun could be used both ways, it's masculine. And then we get over into chapter 13 and a little further, we see that he's talking about sons. He's talking about that picture. And we'll talk more about it in a minute. So the lamb will be, the lamb will die so the firstborn will not die. And Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. He dies so we don't have to die. See, the wages of sin is death. Death is separation from God. So that we don't have to be separated. Jesus Christ hung on the cross and said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was separated from the Father. So that we don't have to be separated from the Father. He's the, the Passover lamb who dies in our place. Every one of us ought to be saying, Thank you, Lord, for putting Jesus on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for laying down your life and going on the cross to be our substitute to die in our place. So he says, you get it on the tenth day, you kill it on the fourteenth day. So notice again, verse 21, Moses called for the elders of Israel and he said to them, go and take for yourself lambs according to your families, slay the Passover lamb. Then he says this, you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood which is in the basin, and apply some of the blood that is in the basin to the lintel and the two doorposts, and none of you shall go outside the door of his house until morning. Now, hyssop was like a, 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 a kind of a plant, but it was like a, you know, kind of like a tumbleweed or something. It was kind of like brush, and they, they could take it, and they would use it for, for sweeping things, like a broom. They would take it, but he says, well, take this thing, and when you kill that lamb, the blood is shed. Put the blood of the lamb, put it in a basin. Then come along with that, that hyssop, dip it down in there, and then go over to the door, and to the sides of the door, and to the top of the door, put blood so that... God can see it. Now, let me ask you something. Does God need to see that? I mean, he pretty much knows everything, doesn't he? But who is this for? It's for them. It's their act of faith. It's them saying, we're doing what God says. We're believing in the, the Passover lamb. We're putting the blood on the door. And so in this, taking this hyssop, which they made brooms, and they dipped it in the blood, and they put it on the, to- the top of the door and the sides of the door so that God could see it. He said, look, don't go out. Don't go outside. What would you do? I don't think I'd, I wouldn't even get near the door, right? Right? I think I would eat the Passover lamb, and I would have my sandals on, and I'd have my staff in my hand. I'd have everything tucked up so I could walk out if I needed to get out of there, because whatever he tells me, and I'm ready to leave, because that's what he told me to do. Because I think we take God at his word. And when he tells us to do something, we do it. When he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, no one to test your face for space, how do we deal with trials? Count it what? Joy. When he says, pray without ceasing. When he says, in everything give thanks, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. When he says, be anxious for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. When he says, come boldly into the throne of grace, so you can find help in the time of need. Over and over and over, he tells us to do things. And that means we should do them. Study to show yourself approved to work when need not be ashamed, handling accurately the word of God. We should do what he says. Well, they're doing exactly what he says. You shall take hyssop, dip it in the blood, in the basin, apply it to the door. You shall not go outside until morning. What's going to happen that night? What did he tell them? Verse 12 of chapter 12, I will go through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. He's going through when? That night. 
in the twilight, in the evening. They kill the lamb. It's beginning to get dark. They take the blood. They put it on the door. They eat the lamb ready to go. They know that this night, God's going to judge. And either the Passover lamb will die, or the firstborn will die. Boy, it's pretty tough. He explains what happens. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. When he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. The Lord is going to smite Israel, uh, Egypt and not Israel. The Egyptians, remember, they need to, he's going to smite the Egyptians because remember, this is a judgment against Egypt. The Pharaoh and their false gods. When he sees the blood, what will he do? He will pass over. I remember reading this for the first time, 19 years old, and I thought, he's going to pass over. No wonder they call that Passover. I mean, it made sense to me. I said, that's that's why they called it that. They call it Passover because God passed over. The blood of the Lamb is the substitute. There will be a death in every home. Either the Lamb died, which was the substitute for the firstborn, or the firstborn died. That's powerful. We need to understand that God has provided for us a substitute. And that is Jesus Christ. He is our Passover lamb. 1 Corinthians 5 says, Our Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, has been sacrificed for us. We sinned. We owe God death. Jesus Christ did something. In fact, Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his love toward us while we were at sinners. What happened? Christ died for us. We say, listen, if something doesn't happen, we're all going to be separated forever. So God says, here's what I've done. I've given you a Passover lamb. The Passover lamb is Jesus. He has come. He has died. His blood is shed. He has risen again. When you believe in him, that's the same as taking the blood and putting it on the door. Because I'm going to pass over you. Our Passover lamb is Jesus Christ. He took our place. I've got some verses there for you. Second Corinthians 5.21 For God has made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. He died in our place. First Peter 2.24 He bore in his body our sins when he was on the cross. He took our sins. First Peter 3.18 Christ died for our sins once for all, the just for the unjust to bring us to God. Those verses over and over just tell us that the only way that we can have salvation is through our substitute and our sacrifice, Jesus Christ. We see it on Sunday morning through the Gospel of John. It's just amazing to see that he is the light of the world. He's the the uh, the bread of life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the he's all of these things. He's the Savior, and it's the same message all the way through the Bible that we have our Passover Lamb. When we trust Jesus Christ as Savior, He is the one who dies for us. He gives us eternal life. John fourteen six. He's the what? The way. The truth, the life, nobody comes to the Father except through Him. Acts 4.12, there's no other name given under men, among men under heaven whereby I might be saved. Jesus Christ stood in my place, was punished for me. He took the wages, the wages of sin is death, He died for me. Now the gospel is the death and resurrection because we always talk about how Jesus died for us, but the whole story is He died and rose again. That is the key. I hope and pray, and I know every one of you just about in this room, I hope and pray every, that, that all of us have put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. He's the only way to be saved, right? He died for us. He's the substitute. He's the sacrifice. He is the one who died and gives us eternal life. Then Moses reminds the Jews that this is something they must never forget. 
They pass it on to their children. Look at verse 24. You shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. What ordinance? The whole Passover, the unleavened bread. They're, they're to never forget this. They're to pass it on to the children. Look at verse 25. When you enter the land which the Lord will give you as he has promised, you shall observe this right. Now, when God made a promise, didn't he? A promise really to Abraham that that land is theirs. And then he passed it down to Isaac, and then he passed it down to Jacob. And then it's got all the way down to Judah and to Joseph, and they all knew that. And that's why Joseph, who died a long time ago, and he's been buried, he's, he's been, uh, his body's been embalmed in Egypt. Joseph was the hero. They could walk by and say, see that man? That's Joseph. He's a Jew. He's a Jew. Joseph said, when you come out of here, and you will, take my body. Because I want to be resurrected in the land of Israel, not in the land of Egypt. Because God made a promise. That's your land. People, they're fussing over it today, right? They're fussing over it all the time. There's this going to be a UN resolution for the Palestinian Authority and all of these things. And there's all kind of arguments and people are arguing over who owns the land and all this. I'm telling you who owns the land. Israel owns the land. It was given to them from God to Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Judah and on down. It's their land. One day they'll possess it all. He says this, When you enter the land which the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall observe this right. And when your children say to you, What does this right mean to you? The children say, What are we doing this for? What does this mean? What does the youngest son say on Passover night? Why is this night different than all the other nights? What they're saying is, Why is this different? What's going on? You shall say, it is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians, but spared our homes. And the people bowed low and worshipped. When they say, what's this all about? Why do we do this every year? What if your child was sitting with you and we had the, we had the Lord's Supper on a Sunday morning, which we do some? What if your child said, why do we do this? What do you tell them? We do this because we remember the death and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus, how he died for us, his blood was shed, how he rose again, how he bore in his body our sins, and he gives eternal life to all who believe. That's why we do it. That's why they do it. It's a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and spared our homes. You say to them, it is the Passover sacrifice, the sacrifice that God used to deliver us. He delivered them physically from Egypt. But he also delivered them spiritually because they had to do what? They had to believe. You understand that as they came out of Egypt, all of those who believed and put the Passover lamb, they're redeemed people. They're believers. They believed in the Passover lamb. The Lord passed over their homes. The lamb had died in their place. They would want their children to know about the Savior and the Redeemer. The truth is we have to pass on to our children the truth about our Savior and Redeemer, about our Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, who died and rose again for us. The Passover lamb, the substitute, we tell them all, all who believe will have eternal life. What was the response of the people that said the people bowed low and worshipped? They realized that all that God was doing for them and about to do, he would provide a way of escape. What's our response? We should bow low and worship. We should say thank you for sending Jesus Christ as the Savior. 
And this evening we're going to worship Him, not only through the songs, not only through the Word, we're going to worship Him through the, the, the Lord's Supper in which we remember the death and the resurrection of our Savior. Well, notice what happened. Then the sons of Israel went and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. They went and did it. They, they killed the lamb, they put the blood on the door, they ate it, they got ready, they did all of these things. Verse 29. It came about at midnight, in the middle of the night, that Lord, the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, the personal name of God, that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, beginning with Pharaoh, the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne, all the way to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and even the firstborn of cattle. God said he would come in the middle of the night. He came in the middle of the night. Remember, only the firstborn who were saved had the substitute. They had to have the substitute from Pharaoh to the captive to the cattle. By the way, this is what God told Moses he would do long ago. Listen to this. You don't have to turn there. This is back at the beginning of Exodus in chapter 4, verses 22 and 23. This is what God told Moses. He said, You shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. And so I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me, but you have refused to let him go. Behold, I will kill your son, your firstborn. That was what was said way back in Exodus chapter 4, long before all these plagues and everything started. God brings the final plague. You understand that Pharaoh was considered a god and his firstborn son would be the next god of Egypt. That's why all of the judgments of the plagues were the judgments on the gods of Egypt. Look at verse 30. Pharaoh arose in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt. Why? For there was no home where there was not someone dead. Every home that someone did. Now I want you to remember this. It was either the lamb or the firstborn. In the homes of the, of the Jewish people who put the blood on the door, there was something dead, and it was the lamb. But in the homes without the lamb, there was the firstborn. God brings his final judgment on the land of Egypt so he can redeem his people and deliver them. And we're going to see, and we'll see this beginning next week, that Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and he said, Get out. Take everything and go. And then he says to him, and bless me. Bless me. And then God told him to go to all of the Egyptian neighbors and to say, I would like some gold, I'd like some silver, I'd like some clothes. And he said that the Egyptians said, take it all and get out before all of us die. Amazing. God brings his final judgment. We'll see that next time. We've seen that God tells Moses to establish this memorial, the Passover lamb, the unleavened bread. Never forget, they pass it on to their children. Moses tells the elders to carry out the plan, kill the lamb, put the blood on the door. The people worship and obey. And at midnight, God killed the firstborn in Egypt. No home escaped death. Either there was the death of the firstborn or the death of the Passover lamb. Let me give you 
couple of applications. The first one is this. Realize that Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb to save us from death and separation from God. Just as God had to substitute the Passover lamb to redeem Israel from Egypt, from the bondage of Egypt, God has for us, Jesus Christ, our substitute, our Passover lamb to redeem us and deliver us from the bondage of sin. We all need a Savior. We all have to be redeemed. Jesus Christ has come. He's died. He's risen again. And by faith. See, the key is faith. Because you had to believe God enough to kill the lamb and put the blood on the door, stay in the house, and be ready. That's faith. They're saying, I'm trusting God. This is what he told us to do. What did he tell us to do? He said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and what? You'll be saved. It's that simple. So realize that Jesus is our Passover lamb. Second, let's pass these truths on to to others, to our children. Just as the nation of Israel was supposed to pass on to their children, what happened that night? We ought to pass on to other people the way of salvation. It is that simple. Jesus died and rose again and who believes in him has eternal life. It's for by grace you have been what? Saved through faith and not of yourselves the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. The third thing, let's respond to God in obedience and worship. Two things as we respond. Think about this, worship. The whole idea is that, that we respond to who he is and what he's done. Who is he? He's the son of God, the eternal God. What did he do? He died and rose again and he gives us eternal life. What do we do? We, we sing, we give, we pray, we respond as we look at the Word. The second thing is we obey. We obey Him. We live out His Word in our lives. We decide that, that we want to live by the Scripture. Not only do we trust Him as Savior, but we live according to the Word of God because we belong to Him. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Greatness in God's kingdom is determined by service and obedience. So may we trust our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Passover Lamb. May we pass these truths on to our children and to our community, the great truth concerning salvation, as we seek to worship and obey our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage, what great truth. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us. Thank you for letting us see these great truths. Thank you, Lord, for the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We realize you have given to us the Passover Lamb to save us from death and separation. Jesus died and rose again. Whoever believes in him will never perish. Thank you, Lord, for these truths. May we pass them on, first of all, to our families, to our children, that they would know and understand the the way of salvation. But, Lord, as we go out in these doors in this community, to pass on these truths of the way of salvation in our community. Lord, may we obey you, may we worship you, may we live for you, and may we serve you to make an impact. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.